1: instead of record (laughs) oh hello folks you just heard me in mid-sentence because tom who i love and adore um pressed a the wrong button before recording um but guess what he's still a sweet good boy welcome to bantering blue shirts off the post where we do our very best to come up with answers or at least uh opinions on questions and topics that you raise by using hashtag bantering points on uh, the Twitter machines, Tom. Most how you of
0: doing? you did. Most of you used the hashtag. Some of you did not, but we will still read your questions because they are rather entertaining and/or informative. But Tom's to answer,
1: heat. Tom is throwing heat right now.
0: I'm all. I, I mean, I. I don't know about you, but I like recording this show more than the main one because I like I having. You. I like having the things that people want us to talk about right in front of me um but yeah let's do this shindig
1: i just i let loose in this show i i take off most of my clothing i stretch and uh i wish you know what i wish i had is a bunch of big league chew that i could
0: put in my mouth are you familiar with big league chew tom i am but i was more of a bubble tape person
1: I didn't mind bubble tape. Here's the thing with bubble tape, though. Um, really bad on the lasting flavor.
0: Much like the like
1: the double bubble. Remember double bubble and the yellow wrapper with the little it, blue
0: ends? 25 cents
1: uh, Yeah. thing. The taste, the initial taste is great, but goddamn, does, does that run out of magic. I always thought Big League Chew held on to
0: its flavor better. I feel like you could say that about a lot of things, but we won't go there. Wow. Throwing heat.
1: Um, you want to read us our first question, Tom?
0: Sure. Our first question, um, and I think it's an interesting one to start with because it's it's different than um, a lot of the other ones. Um, it's from Stat Boy Steven. What trade acquisition did you hate at the time but were dead wrong about in hindsight? So I try to think back on previous trade deadlines or off-season moves that I was particularly passionate about. Um, and I was going to say the on trade because of how I felt about him as a player and what the return um, was. But I corrected myself and said, Tom, you absolutely hated the Marion Gabryk trade because here was a 40-goal score that was pushed out because he beefed with the coach and they got back a package of assets that really hadn't done much in their NHL careers, but you know, Derek Broussard was a fine player and he landed us Mika Zibanejad, so I was dead wrong about that. I'm going to go a different direction here, Tom.
1: I was relatively content I think, with the Big McDonough trade, when it happened, I don't remember being like. You like Scott Gomez? No, the no, you silly goose. The, <laughs> the Tampa trade, you monster. What are you? What are you trying to do to me? Um, you weren't specific. You know what, Tom? I thought we had a relationship built on trust and love. Um, we do, but that trade to me has aged terribly. Like it is, I it hurts me to look at it with the decisions made with Nemestikov, with, uh, with Lieber Hayek, with Brett Howden, and of course, you know, something that I don't think is talked about enough by Rangers fans really is what JT Miller has become. Um, of course, not with Tampa, but, you know, that one... Yeah, Tom, that one to me... Does we it. got Does hosed. It. Yeah, that's a good word for it, right? Um, but... In terms of one that I was wrong about, like, you know, meaning I thought it wasn't good, but we got, um, it's hard to deny that it kind of worked out in our favor. You you know what's a fun one, Tom? Was, and we just talked about him at the end of uh, the flagship, actually, was Delzato for Kevin Klein?
0: That was a wild trade. And I think it like... wild one. That was a, at a time where like Boomer Esiason just out of nowhere, like he just started talking about Kevin Klein and no one sort of knew why. And then lo and behold, Kevin Klein is a ranger and, and Delzato is gone.
1: Yeah, I mean I I had a fun love affair with Kevin Klein. Um I just liked he was my kind of defenseman in terms of, you know, the way he approached the game, I know he wasn't exactly you know an, a super efficient guy, but
0: uh, I don't know, he's a Viking,
1: just, yeah, he, he he was a Viking. I just liked what he brought to the defense, um, and I, I remember that was a trade that helped kind of balance things out on the blue line. And yeah, but I remember at the time being like, because like as frustrating as Delzato was and could be, I was like, what the hell are we doing? This guy's what are we
0: doing? But yeah, um. That won't be up there for me, Tom. That won't be up there. Next question comes from the other Eric Carlson, and this one has a picture, uh, so I'll describe it. So, saw this at a store here in Maryland late last night, and it's a box of cereal with uh, Alexander Ovechkin on it, and it's called Ovios, a sweetened toasted oat cereal with honey and natural almond flavor. His question is, which ranger gets a cereal, and what's it called? Crispy Criders? Honey Bunches of Booch? I'll let you have this one first, because I'm not exactly sure what direction I would go in. I like Honey Nut
1: Capo cacos. Um Let me think. The the Rangers have a lot of fun names, so it it makes it like doing a cartoon fox. Like, Adam Fox bits. I don't know. A lot of them sound weird when I say them. In my head, they seem like good ideas, though. Um, What about, like, uh, Special Z for special, uh, for Mika Zabenajad? Zabenajad deserves. And you can even make a little, little, like,. What is it called, Tom? Records, like a DJ would have. That's the thing. You can make cereal that looks like hockey sticks and records. Because he's a DJ boy. Or just a, I don't know, a loaf of bread for Panarin. Cinnamon toast uh,
0: bread. I was thinking about that. I was trying to think how you would uh, incorporate Panarin. Um, Honey Bunches of Booch? That's. I like that one. That's a good one. Yeah, like I I'm it's it's tough because like I'll probably think about this more and then I'll I'll tweet some of them. Um but I, I like this question. More more questions like this going forward. Um and and as always we welcome your suggestions as well. You can um tweet them out, hashtag bannering points serial. And then we'll sweetened heatles. Oh, You know, mm. spe- speaking so of heat gold here, I'm just giving out fucking pyrite. So it's, it's funny you bring up heat and this is a bit of a tangent. So um, like I had said on the main show, my nephew's sick this week, so he stayed home. So he was on the couch this morning. I was asking him how he was and I, I told him the news about Panera not going to All-Star Weekend and I said, Chris Kreider was going in his place. Because he, he had told me that Chris Kreider was his favorite. So he's like, he's not my, my number one favorite anymore. He's like, my new number one favorite is 72. And he's like, I don't know how to pronounce his name because I'm pretty sure one of the letters is silent. He's like, it's Heedle, right? It's not cheetle. And I, I, I was laughing. Like, this is the first thing of my day. A six-year-old is telling me about silent letters and uh, hockey players. Um, but I thought that was cute. That's pretty adorable. Next question from uh, Diego Diaz. Is Lindgren the biggest surprise of Rangers' season? Um, Backup Hank until the end of the season makes sense if Gorgiev passes the deadline. Um, I would say Lindgren's been a big surprise in a positive way. He's sort of grown on me as a player. I would love to see him go through another offseason of preparing to play at the NHL level, and maybe he's someone that could be a reliable third pair lefty. I mean, assuredly much better than Mark Stahl has been the last few years. Um, I don't know. If Gorgiev is still here at the deadline, it's, it's going to be a, a tough way to rotate things, and I don't know. I feel like this is going to come to a head one way or another.
1: I feel like, um, you know what? Like, I know we all wanted good things for Fox, but I think a lot of people, I think it was CJ, uh, who was on the show last week said, you know, he was thinking Adam Fox just might be, you know, like another rehash of like a will butcher type of player. Um, you know, like a, a better version of a Matt Gilroy kind of a guy. Um, and I would call him the biggest surprise just because we all wanted and knew he could be great. But how great has he been? Like, I don't know why. I don't know why we don't talk about sweet Adam Foxmore. He's He he's just so good at the hockey thing for a guy his age. Um, and like you, I would agree that Lindgren's a good, a very good surprise in terms of, you know, I think right now he is proven that he can kind of be a seventh NHL D. Um, of course, he's playing regularly. So, uh, but you know, given where he is in terms of of his development, uh, I'm really I don't have anything against uh, Lindgren. I, I would say safely that he's exceeded my expectations, which honestly is great for him. Um, and it's also very interesting because of the, I would say like what the organizational depth chart looks like on that left side, Tom. Because, like, imagine an alternate reality, Tom, where Igor Rykov never got hurt. How different yeah. things could be, right? How different they could be. And for the three-goalie thing, how long can they do this? Ah, uh, I don't know. I like Tom's answer. I think they, they'll do this just as long as they can um, before it really boils over. And I think it's something that the front office is monitoring very closely, but... From what we've heard uh with you know the trade market and georgiev is like they're not gonna they're not gonna rush to to, to give him up right um they're, they want a good deal um and you know for a guy that has shown what georgiev has shown i think they should be looking for a good deal they shouldn't they shouldn't squander um that asset um and you know there are a lot of teams out there who should be really, really interested in getting him, uh, to be frank. So it's they'll do it for as long as they can. And I think if they explain to Georgiev, like, hey, this is the situation, it would still be a tough sell because I think everyone is aware that he deserves to be in the NHL. This is where he belongs.
0: Yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to see how they handle it because they're really in a position that if they don't trade him – then you have the off season, right? And I haven't looked at the goalie market too much. I just know that Braden Holtby's set to be a free agent, and he's someone that'll probably get a fat contract. But then you run the risk of if there are other moves that go around. Um, I know that there were rumors going back that Ilya Sorokin, who is a um, top prospect for the New York Islanders, was potentially trying to force a trade because he doesn't see uh an immediate path to the nhl with the islanders he's someone that we talk about uh igor shestherkin's you know exploits in the khl as a a really good goalie uh has been very very good as well so
1: yeah same i would say he's like in the same like stratosphere like in the same world in terms of a young promising russian goalie that a lot of people expect to do well in north america it was very interesting because it's the rangers and the islanders it's been just and Sorokin for a while now
0: oh yeah and if you're a team that is going to throw a flyer on a goaltender you might be able to get someone like him for uh, a tad cheaper than you're asking of gorgiev um and then at that point the rest of the market falls out and then the Rangers are in a position where you have three goaltenders and only two spots. So for that reason, I would say that, um, that'll come to a head at the trade deadline one way or another. Uh, next question comes from Panero in 2020. Hey, Mike and Tom, do you think that we might see Rikov get a cup of coffee in the NHL? If so, when I'd say will get a cup of coffee at some point. Uh, As Mike had mentioned a little bit before, what would things look like had he not been injured to start the year? So, in many respects, it's just been him getting up to speed. It's been, you know, playing on North American ice for the, you know, the first time. Uh, I would say that towards the end of the year, you probably won't see Mark Stahl play as much. So you'll have a situation where you send Hayek down um, or you keep Hayek down rather in Hartford and you call up Recov and, you know, depending on what they do or do not do with someone like D'Angelo or if they somehow make another trade, you call up Recov and you just keep rotating people on that side. Um, We had talked on the other show about the potential of having players in, in Hartford for, Calder Cup experience. I'd say Ryan Lindgren applies there. So theoretically, through you know paper transactions, you could rotate Lindgren and and Rikov, um, and I think that would work for them. I feel like
1: he deserves a look. Um, I mean, if you asked me, if you know if this, if, if this is a tough one because of his injury and because of what lindgren has been able to do. Um, But if I would be shocked if he doesn't get a chance, like in the first two weeks after the trade deadline. Um, So I guess, you know, that's one way of saying, you know, within the next month, I'd like to see it happen. Um, Just so the, you know, so Quinn and the rest of the coaching staff can get a good look at what Recov is because there is a good chance he could be um, a much better option uh, than ryan lindgren um there's just of course the significance uh, and the seriousness of his injury i think there is you know a reasonable concern tom that you know there may have been some rust there and letting him get back up to speed at the ahl uh level made perfect sense so i don't have any qualms with that i would like to see him sooner rather than later but that's a selfish desire admittedly i just want to have you know, a good look at him outside of the sporadic viewings of uh, Wolfpack games I've had.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hope to see him because the potential is there. Uh, I know that he was someone that the Devils didn't necessarily want to give up, but I think it was a question of whether or not he would come over, which is something other teams in the NHL have had happen. But for a team like the Rangers, who have had a number of, of Russian players and prospects over the year, they never seem to have a, a problem getting people show up. So I would agree with you and hope that that's something that happens soon. The Next, it's not really a question. It's more of a, a statement. Neil, yeah. P, Neil Pionk, discuss. I'll let you go first. Yeah, this is a, a
1: great topic that I've thought a lot about. I, I always butcher his name, so I apologize in advance. With uh, Murat Aris, um who's the uh, athletic writer, uh, the helps cover the Winnipeg Jets and earn that market there. He had um, a kind of um, mea culpa article a couple months ago where he said, you know, he looked at, um, you know, what he thought Pionk was going to be and and kind of said it was a bad deal for Winnipeg and and this mea culpa article he said you know I was wrong about Neil Pionk and you know this is I still think in all things considered I understand you know why some people might be a little anxious about this Uh, I don't think it's a disaster that neil Pionk has proven to be better than i thought he was uh at least you know my personal take um and it's also important to note that you know that winnipeg d- defense is really spread thin but it's i don't think the rangers let a legitimate top pair or even a top three defenseman get away from them here um and i do think that is what jacob truba is um even though he definitely hasn't looked like that at times this season it is with all that being said Tom. it is really interesting to see neil pyunk find success um and i am sure some people will roll their eyes at this but to me it says a lot about the defensive system that the rangers have um that it was so problematic that it it made evaluating a guy like Pionk difficult uh, because it was difficult, right? Like, it is difficult to evaluate the Rangers' defenseman when the system is just not very good. Um, I should point out right now, uh, Neil Pionk with 31 points in 50 games uh, for the Jets. He has four goals, 27 assists. You know, he's 24. Uh, With all those things being said, Tom, the you know they're gonna have to give him another contract soon i'm not too worried it is a really interesting topic though and i haven't had a chance to dive into his underlying numbers um i don't know if you've had a moment to look them up while i've been rambling here but yeah it's it's really interesting that he's he's found the success he's had especially because when it the trade happened kevin shovel was saying You know, he saw Neil Pionk as a great option on the penalty kill and uh, a guy who could play on the top pair and all these things. And meanwhile, the impression that at least I got, and I feel like a lot of people who read and write about the Rangers got from Pionk is that he's awful in terms of getting out of his own zone, not very good at defense, terrible at zone entry defense. And the big thing is like, yes, his production was good, but really he is a guy that... If you get him into the offensive zone, he can make an impact, but he can't get it there himself. He is a power play guy. Um, But, you know, on a team like Winnipeg that doesn't have Dustin Bufflin,
0: it's been very nice to have someone with offensive upside like Neil Pionk. I agree with everything you said, and the only commentary that I really have to offer is, I hope this is Lindy Ruff's last season with the Rangers I really do because it's just comical how many players have left the team and just blossomed elsewhere. Um, Before we go to our next question, uh, we'll just put in a small little ad break here. And uh, after that, we'll be back with more of your questions. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Another question regarding the defense from W. DQ and I think AV before him refuses, is very reluctant to play defense on their weak side. How prevalent is this throughout the league? I would say it's still very prevalent. I think most coaches
1: don't like to do it, even though, um, you know, it's, I have noticed there are times when the Rangers are not shut. Like, they don't balk at the idea of, uh, of using two guys who are of similar, you know, two lefties on the penalty kill, for example. I know we, we've seen that, right, Tom? Um, but I, I think it is an old-school thing um, that a lot of coaches don't, don't love to do if they can avoid it. Uh, I, I know it's a really interesting thing from the tactics part of the game. Um, You know, because where the ability to use the boards comfortably, um, you know, to get the puck out of your zone. And, you know, it makes for such an interesting debate and discussion. But I think overall, I would say the trend is very clearly towards coaches don't like to do it if they don't have to.
0: I mean, just so look agree? at... I mean, just look at teams when it comes to, like, power plays where they're reluctant to do four forwards in 1D where it's, like, so traditional. Like, we're going to have three forwards and we're going to have a left defenseman and we're going to have a right defenseman. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, my thought is this. The only time where handedness really plays an impact um, in the sense is, like, like set plays, like face-offs, like, okay... You want to have your defense in a position where a pass across the ice can set them up for a one timer, not where they're, you know, handcuffing themselves with the puck. But when it comes to playing like defense, like I would think, all right, you're going to your left, you're going to your right. It's pretty much the same thing because if you think about it, as the play is going on, you have players, you know, chasing within the zone, and they sometimes end up on the opposite side, and they don't switch back.
1: Yeah, you disengage and pick up a different guy, especially if you're playing a zone, you know, which is a very common thing, and, you know, you can end up as the right-handed defenseman who plays the right side, you can end up defending the left side of the ice. um, You know, especially during a prolonged, you know, shift for the other team in in your zone. It's not like a guy who's right-handed and plays defense will be moved to the left and just be like, well, I'm fucked. I, I don't know. Everything looks different. It's like, I, it's like, you know, trying to tie your tie uh, without looking in a mirror for people that need to do it. It's not like that. It's, <laughs> Although, have you ever tried to tie a tie on another person? It is weird.
0: Yeah, it's... I have uh, to be
1: behind people when I do it. Yeah. I can't do it from the front.
0: It's the same way with, um, like, tying sneakers, where just sort of like doing it from the perspective of, okay, I'm on the, like the side of the person and it's like, I'm tying my own shoes. It's, it's a weird thing, but it's just like you, you get disoriented. Um, the next question is from Chris Marco Trigiano. Uh, if I butchered your name, I apologize. Hi, Mike and Tom. Wouldn't it make more sense in the long run to try trade Hank some salary retained instead of Gorgiev a motion aside. It gives Hank a chance to win with a contender and allows the Rangers to keep a player with upside. So like this comes up a lot and a lot of people want to trade Hank in the concept of he's making too much money or give him the chance to win a Stanley cup. He's pretty content in New York. I don't remember when the interview was, but Hank is ever in two places. He's either in New York or he's back in Sweden. Like, those are the places where he's most comfortable, those are the places that he likes. And I find it hard for him to be in an environment where he would sort of uproot himself and his family. You know, he's a a young family um, for a short while. I could see if it was a situation where it's a plan in the off season where it's like okay Hank we want to give you an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup where somewhere you would like to live that we can make a, a deal with and it would take some time like I don't think you can between now and the trade deadline which is pretty much a month away like okay Hank where do you want to go um, so I, I think he doesn't want to leave and that's the 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 non starter right there,
1: yeah, and that that it really is the non starter especially because you know he has one of those uh those things, tom, those no movement clause things um mm-hmm. but i like, I understand this question because it is a logical one, right it's wouldn't it be better to keep these two younger guys and the answer is, yeah, really i mean if you if you think of this strictly from the you know the Rangers are a business perspective what and what you could potentially turn Henrik Lundqvist into in terms of assets if you're willing to take on his cap you know or some of his cap uh, to make it a, an interesting deal but we've also heard that you know this Lundqvist wants to play beyond this season Tom um, and that is a really interesting thing to consider here is that you know it would be really hard to imagine him finishing his career with the Rangers if he wants a contract after this, unless he's perfectly content with being the backup to Igor Shosturkin. Um, it is it is a weird thing to wrap your head around, but it is one more reason why I continue to hate the uh, the buyout of, of Kevin Shantkirk and the uh, the cap
0: the dead cap space that the Rangers will have to deal with, Tom. Yeah, people think that's not going to be an issue. Um, yeah,
1: and it, it it boggles my mind that people forget about the fact that the Rangers have $7.494 million in dead space on the cap next year. Yeah. Tom, that's a lot of dead cap space.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and it's a lot of dead cap space at a time where you really can't tell players that, okay, this is what you're going to take, and that's it. Because yeah. You just did that with D'Angelo. You just did that with Lemieux. And you are wanting to contend. So you can't really say, all right, go fuck off. You know, you're not getting this money. <laughs> it's, you, like, you can't because. You
1: really can't, yeah.
0: Because you know what? I could see a team go around this time and say, you know what? I'm going to offer sheet Tony D'Angelo just enough that it becomes a problem for It'd be a brilliant Rangers.
1: thing to do. It'd be a brilliant thing to do for another team to be like, all right, what can they afford? All right, let's do $25 more than that and tell them to fuck themselves because they could potentially do that. And the Rangers chose to paint themselves into this corner. I know it's something we've rehashed over and over again, um, but like, uh, it is really, really fascinating. And it also ties back into the Truba and uh, Pionk discussion we just had with one of the earlier questions in the mailbag here, Tom, is you know, this 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 defense is very much a work in progress. I think a lot of us would like to think that it would look more stable than it did last year, but uh, it doesn't look a lot more stable, I would say. I think it's, like, Brady Shea remains to me a question mark. Um, Although I do think quietly he has taken steps in the right direction i think it's a very positive sign that the rangers are healthy scratching mark Stahl this year um jacob truba is overpaid that goes without saying um and you know brendan smith the forward defenseman who the hell knows but like adam fox is a great story and a great part of the future but tony d'angelo is a real really big deal tom He's 24 years old, and he can really be a part of the solution here to getting back into being a real contender. But the Rangers' previous choices are going to limit their
0: options with what they can do. Yeah, because it's not just keeping the players that they have. It's doing that and or making improvements to the roster so that you're a team that can win at least a round if not more and you only have so much money to make moves with. So a lot of that is going to eat up really quickly and, um, how they maneuver it. Your guess is good as mine because it's not only the hell knows. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I have no
1: idea how they're going to maneuver it.
0: Oh yeah. Because it's not only just for next year, but it's what you're putting on for future seasons and you know, people aren't really talking about it, but Mika Zibanejad's gonna need a new contract really, really soon.
1: Really soon. And he is a guy who you cannot... Like... He's gonna be... He's a UFA, you know, three years from now. So 2022 is when he's a UFA. Which means you want to negotiate with him at the end of the next season, really. Um, and, like... Yeah, you, you you know what he is, and you can't afford to let him get away... And, Tom, he's going to be making a lot more than $5.35 million, Tom. Oh, yeah. So, and uh, so The way the cap hits are going up, the way contracts are going up, Zibanejad could super easily come in at like 7, $7, $7 $5, 8 Who knows?
0: Yeah, because if you look at it, so for next year, Panarin's on the books, Zibanejad's on the books, um, Kreider's a UFA. Yeah. Booch is in the last year of a 3.25 um, RFA deal. Um, Strom's an RFA. Foss is UFA. Kako's on his ELC. Lemieux is restricted. Hedl and Howden are on the last year of their entry-level deal. McKay and Haley are um, UFA's defense pretty much set with Truba. Stahl would be in the last year of his deal. Shea, uh, Brendan Smith, in the last year of his deal. D'Angelo is an RFA. Then Lindgren has one more year, and then Fox has two more years. And then, obviously, last year, Hank Steele, um, an RFA, yeah. and then, you know, Shashirkin. So it's a lot, and dealing with that and improving the roster, it's going to be quite a, um, a tightrope to walk. It will be a tightrope to walk, Tom. Yeah, and with that, we have another question from Andy with the benefit of hindsight given Pionk's production with the Jets which we sort of already talked about a little bit would it have been better hanging on to him and the first rounder from the Hayes trade than trading for Truba so this is a tough one because i think about they would have had to have done something with Pionk regardless because if you're not adding Truba You probably keep Shattenkirk, and then it's Shattenkirk, D'Angelo, and Fox. And then you still have your first rounder who, around that point, they could have drafted someone like Hainola. I love
1: Hainola, by the way.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. I think Pionk was getting traded regardless because they saw that they had a better version of him in D'Angelo and a better overall future version of him in Fox.
1: Yeah, it it is super tough. Like, it is one of those things where you it's fun to do the what if game, but like Tom said, you do have to run it back even further because it's the Shattenkirk decision influenced everything, Um, and you know I think you don't see the Rangers do Truba if they decided to stick with Shattenkirk, Uh, but I think you know if I had a choice. Um, well, honestly, if I had a choice, I would have told. I would have been on the side of keeping Kevin Shattenkirk and the twentieth overall pick. Um, you know, regardless of whether or not Piank was still a part of the team. Like, I think, you know, to be clear, I don't think, you know. The uh, acquiring Truba was a terrible idea. I just think the contract is rough. Um, but looking at the, looking at you know the point you just raised with, you know what what would happen on that that right side. It's yeah,
0: that is tough, Tom. It's really tough. And I think we have one more question. Yes, we do. From Jason Silberman. Thanks, as always, for the podcast. If the Rangers ah, don't thank you. trade Gorgiev at the deadline, do they continue with three goalies the rest of the year, or do they somehow convince Igor to play the rest of the year in the AHL while promising him to be in the NHL all next year? Um, like, we kind of answered this already in an extent i find it hard to to see the three goalie um carousel of doom continue um because igor has shown that he can handle his own at the nhl level and the rangers probably want to see him play more i look at igor in a way of how the um the Washington Capitals have handled Ilya Samsonov like uh, Shishirkin. He was a starter in the KHL. Last year, Samsonov spent the year in the AHL, and this year, he's been Braden Holtby's backup, and he's been very, very good. And I think the Rangers in a perfect world head into next year with the potential for Shishirkin to be the starter um, for the season with Hank still around, um, you know, to be able to lean on if the amount of games played becomes too much too soon, which is something to consider because you look at, like, Andre Vasilevsky, when he was making the transition to starter, I think his first year, he played around 50 games and he himself said, you know, I just got tired, so it was an adjustment to, you know, now he's sort of settled in with Tampa, so, you want to have that that safety there and I don't know how you do that by keeping Gorgiev the rest of the year and then like we said maybe the market falls out and you're left holding the bag once again
1: yeah we we did touch on this already but it is a big it is a huge question right I mean you think about this season specifically it's what happens to Kreider and then I think the next Giant question, and arguably the even bigger question is what the Rangers do about this goalie carousel, because it will shape the identity of the team. Um, and you definitely don't want to give up Georgiev lately, uh, and you definitely, definitely don't want to ruffle the feathers of Igor Shusturkin, especially now that he's looked this good. Um, you know, since our last show, he he did start another game, and he looked so good. Tom, I love that he's so aggressive and he poke checks and he's great, great with his stick. He's, he's a fun goalie to watch. And what's hysterical to me, by the way, is because the Rangers defense has so many of these flaws and like errors, like he, he's so aggressive to kind of cover for people and that just makes them more entertaining.
0: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's been a lot of fun to watch this far. And I don't know if I've posted it anywhere. um, but thinking back in my head it f- it's trying to think of a bad goal that he's given up thus far I would say the one quote unquote bad goal and it's not really a bad goal because of the situation was the Nathan McKinnon breakaway goal other than that it's been screen, tip um, you know that crazy goal against the Devils where the net was knocked off and but for the most part and like even the uh, against Columbus where team literally you know bailed on him uh you know at the end of the game with that bad line change by uh Ryan Strom but like it's he's looked looked the part and he's made good saves good rebound control good puck uh play uh he's been the real deal thus far yeah it's so
1: fun and i know i know it might cause some folks anxiety but to me this is just a fun thing to watch I mean, it won't be fun if, if, you know, something awful happens and they get an underwhelming return on a trade or, you know, Igor feels slighted in some way. Because, I mean, given what happened with Elias Anderson, this organization does have to tread carefully here. Um, They are not in a position where they can allow or can, like, afford to piss off or disappoint two of their top five prospects. You know what I mean? Like, you just can't. For a team that's trying to build, uh, you you cannot afford to do that. So I think the Rangers are going to be exceedingly cautious. They're going to be really careful. They're going to be very mindful of what the right thing to do is. And, you know, I think if they have to endure with this and they just say, all right, Henrik, we don't know how many starts we're going to find you, but we're going to play these kids as much as we can. And you just never scratch on Henrik Lundqvist. You just have him as the backup, and I know, like on the MSG broadcast, they're saying Quinn loves having Henrik as the backup because even just having him in the locker room is a big deal. Um, and if that's the if that's the game plan moving forward, Tom, that's the game plan moving forward. You got to do what you got to do. You find yourself in this spot, and you don't want to give Gorgiev up too lightly, and you also don't want to make Igor Shostakin a sad boy.
0: Yeah. Like They're not going to give Gorgiev away, that would be stupid, but it, it gets to a point where you weigh all of your options, you look at the future, you weigh what's the worst that can happen, what's the best thing that can happen, and make a decision, and we'll see, I would say that. It's going to be a very interesting trade deadline from the perspective of the Rangers have a lot of chips in play. Um, I know TSN and Sportsnet have been putting out their sort of like trade bait um, you know, previews, and there's not a lot of interesting names out there. A lot of names of interest are, you know, like I know Evgeny Dodanoff would be one as a UFA, but he's on the Panthers and they're going for a playoff spot. So... It really leaves like the Rangers with a lot of different pieces and if they are somehow to fall even farther out than they are now, they're, they're 10 points back with two games in hand, which you know it's just so happened to be both against the Detroit Red Wings. so even if you penciled in four points for them, then you're six back um, but there's so many damn teams in front of them. it's just it's like a labyrinth
1: yeah i mean it really is i from the get-go i know some people give us grief about being too negative but i honestly all of this all the negativity with the team for the most part like yeah they're not gonna be a playoff team it comes from a place of optimism that the team is building the right way like you're gonna lose this year why so you can be a better team the year after and the year after like that is how you have to build um, in, in the salary cap era, you need to build through the draft. You have to, uh, you know. The time is gone when the Rangers can tell, like, "Hey, Bobby Halik how much money do you want? Deal." Like, just make up a number. We can pay you. Like, we those days are gone. You cannot build your team that way. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how things progress. Um, but like you said, there's just so there's so many teams ahead of them. They're not this is not a playoff team. And you know what? That's really okay.
0: At the end of the day, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah, they're building towards something and they're they've done a good job thus far in how they've handled things and all I can hope is that they approach this upcoming deadline in the uh, the same fashion. With that, thank you again for everyone who took the time to submit questions uh, using bannering points. Uh, thank you to all our patrons. Thank you to everyone who continues to you know, send us questions, people who give us five stars on iTunes. We appreciate all of your feedback. Uh, thanks, as always, to Mike for uh, doing the show with me. Uh, it, uh, it means a lot. And uh, oh, Tom. any uh, words Merry you want to leave our listeners with yeah
1: um i know we all love hockey and we all love uh the rangers but i think it's always a good thing uh to take a break from something this you know this week plus break from uh the rangers is a good opportunity to you know catch your breath step away from it and that when we get back into action things will be all the more fun i think you know it's it's a good time to catch up on some rest and you know fall asleep at a more reasonable hour if you have to stay up late
0: uh, you know to watch games but yeah other than that all's well thanks again for everyone for listening and uh, we will catch you again uh, next week take care everyone